Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine remembered with Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi, Robert Martin and Nasser Al-Mashni. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Palestine Remembered, Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause. And today's episode will be purely dedicated to the prisoners in Palestine on the occasion of the Palestinian Prisoners' Day. Stay with us and enjoy the show. Good morning, Nasser and Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Every 17th of April, the Palestinians commemorate the prisoners in Israel's jails, Yom al-Asir al-Falastini, the Palestinians worldwide and the solidarity movements around the world. But this year, uh, Prisoners' Day uh, was special, Nasser. It's special because Marwan Barghouti is leading a mass hunger strike against the injustice that is being perpetuated across uh, onto Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. And this was initiated with an article that Marwan Barghouti had published in the New York Times, a very powerful article. It's been published a number of other times in the New York Times, but this time specifically calling out Israel for the for the crimes that it uh, commits against its uh, Palestinians that it imprisons. And for those who don't know Marwan Barghouti, Marwan is a leader in Fatah movement and also was nominated to be the Nobel for Nobel Prize by uh, several European parliaments and also uh, yeah. former so, Nobel winners. Yeah, the Interparliamentary Union, the European Parliament, many other institutions have I called for his release and been nominated him for uh, the campaign. Uh, Marwan Barghouti uh, is viewed by many as the Mandela uh, of Palestine, yeah. the person who is able to lead. Um, he could unite everybody. I would say you could unite most Palestinians. uh, But uh, Marwan is uh, a representative of thousands of Palestinian prisoners uh, behind bar. And uh, we're going to talk, of course, uh, about figures. uh, But one thing I would start with that uh, this year we are uh, commemorating the 50th anniversary of uh, the occupation of West Bank, Jerusalem and Gaza. And uh, during the last five decades, 800,000 Palestinians were imprisoned or detained by Israel. Mm-hmm. That's 40% of the male population of these occupied territories. It beggars belief. You know, one of the challenges, we're com- uh, uh, remembering the, the 50 years since Israel occupied East Jerusalem, the West Bank and, and Gaza, but the, the Israelis are celebrating it. Of course. You know, uh, occupying an, another people and dehumanizing them is a cause for Israeli celebration. Anyway, let's come coming back to um, uh, to, to Marwan Barghouti. He's had some articles published in the New York Times previously, but never as powerfully as this. And for our listeners, when they look at our podcast, we'll um, put a hyperlink to that. But if you if you search Marwan Barghouti in the New York Times, you'll find this article, and it's it's really, really, really powerful article. Mm. And he speaks to the challenges he's facing, but also is advising the world to a, a mass hunger strike. And now we've got something of the order of 2,000 Palestinian pr- prisoners uh, in Israeli prisons who are on an, in, an indefinite hunger strike. Un- so the, until their demands are met. And until, we're going to talk about their demands we'll, later. We'll talk about their demands later. And, and mm. just, just to be clear for our listeners, the demands aren't for... Um, release. Release. Or? The demands are you know, uh, much more civil in, in, in requirement. 
But, um, you know, interestingly, from this article, I'm just going to take a couple of bits out, guys. Um, one, one of the paragraphs he speaks to, I was only 15 when I was first imprisoned. I was barely 18 when an Israeli interrogator forced me to spread my legs while I stood in the interrogation room, naked, before hitting my genitals. I passed out from the pain and the resulting fall left an everlasting scar on my forehead. The interrogator mocked me afterwards, saying that I would never procreate because people like me give birth only to terrorists and murders. murderers. A few years later, I was again in an Israeli prison, leading a hunger strike, when my first son was born. Instead of the sweets we usually distribute to celebrate such news, I, I handed out salt to the other prisoners. When he was barely 18, he in turn was arrested and spent four years in Israeli jails. Now, it's important to remember, these Israeli jails, they're built inside the Green Line, inside Israel proper, mm. thus denying access to the families of the prisoners to be able to see their, their relatives. So the, the journey for a Palestinian in the West Bank to see a Palestinian prisoner of war in an Israeli prison inside the Green Line can take half a day. Mm. And they get there and arbitrarily say, look, sorry, you're not allowed to come in. No reason, no rhyme. And it would take a family members uh, a few times to go there and come back without successfully meeting or seeing uh, their uh, uh, imprisoned or loved ones. And I know uh, many stories about that. I also um, um, want to say that Marwan Barghouti is from a village uh, close to my village, Beit Rima near Ramallah. Mm-hmm. His village is Kobar and the uh, Palestinians call it Chobar. Chobar. Yeah, yeah the, our, in, 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 in our uh, uh, dialect or colloquial. So um, uh, Marwan Barghouti, um, uh, his his life. Uh, I think the the greatness of his life is that he's a random Palestinian. Mm-hmm. He was he was never an exceptional Palestinian in his you know from from a from a well known family yeah. or uh, let's say uh, a leader uh, was born to a leader uh, family. He was just a random Palestinian yeah. who grew up under occupation. Who he was born in the sixties and found his uh, childhood uh, uh, under the boots of occupation and uh, and you know decided to um, to resist. Yeah. I, d- I just wanted to highlight too that he was 15 at the time and we had on SBS Channel 9, Channel 7 the investigation into the Aboriginal boy that was, was yeah. beaten and the whole of Australia was mm. outraged by this. And, and, Dale, yeah. and he was 15 and this is a common a common theme Absolutely. throughout it. It, yeah. it just happens. But yet again, because it's Israel, it's silent on the rest of the world. Uh, so, so currently today there's 300 children. In, in, as in we Israel. speak. As we speak, there are 300 children under 18 between 11 and 18 years of old age in Israel, not in Palestine, in West Bank, East Jerusalem, as, as uh, the world wants our two-state solution as, to exist. And, and I want the listeners to think of their um, son or daughter, mm-hmm. uh, the 10 or 11, and imagine, God forbid, that they will see this person taken captive by a foreign military power for no reason it could be throwing rocks on a tank. It, it, these, these kids didn't actually kill anybody. These kids uh, didn't injure anybody. Most of the cases, we're talking about throwing stones. Well, a lot of the time, they actually haven't thrown the stones. And even not but I even think we, we can go into that a little bit later once we've finished mm. with yeah. this because it's something so we you, definitely... You know something, I was reading something earlier uh, yesterday. And the article was so inflammatory to Benjamin Netanyahu and his um, Likudnik mates mm. that they've um, declared a, a war against the New York Times for publishing it. It's, you know, journalistic terrorism. Yeah, yeah. And they're the words they used. They're absolutely yeah. the words they used. And, and 
to the to the end, and it's, this speaks to the democracy. Yeah, they're, they're investigating now how the article got out of jail. It must have been smuggled out through his lawyers. So uh, uh, since the publishing of the letter, Marwen Barghouti has come out of general population. They've put him into solitary confinement, mm. denied him access to his lawyers, denied him access <coughs> to phones and to visits. contact vis- to visits. So, I mean, you know... The, 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 punishing the punished. Punishing the punished. The inhumanity, uh, yeah. I mean, in the, in the modern democracy. And this also proves that Israel has no friends because uh, a, a newspaper like the New York Times, with all the great services that has done to, the, to Israel during the Second Intifada <laughs> and before that and after that, and I know my friend Mushir, Dr. Mushir oh, yeah. uh, Amir, who you may... Uh, yeah. He did his PhD, his PhD yeah. on the discourse of New York Times and the imbalance of coverage on Second Intifada. And uh, the findings, and of course this is an academic work, this is not uh, an opinion, yep. uh, that it is a purely biased uh, yeah. outlet. It's uh, a mouthpiece for, for But Zionism. nevertheless, the oh, moment... Stop it. The <laughs> moment, stop it, please. <laughs> the moment they actually give a bit of breeze to the other voice, yep. the Israelis and the Zionists unleash their uh, ugliness yeah, yeah. And, and, and campaign against them. Israel has no friends. Just, just on that, and I don't want to go off track, is the New York Times printing more pieces that are more honest about Israel no, and Palestine? No. You don't think? No. no. Look, Even I, the fact that this got out? I mean, it's, it's one article. It's one article, and, and it's big news. They knew it was going to be big news, and they would have been told you can have exclusivity to it. Do you want it, or do we, shall we give it to the Washington Post? At the end of the day, it wasn't front page. It was hidden in, t- in the international section, page 42 or something. You had to go find the article. I mean, we found it because... Of course, that's what online. you do. That's what we look for. It. We found <laughs> it online. But, you know, it, it was, yeah, we'll take it. We want to publish it. We know it's going to be worldwide news. We want to break the news. Marwan Baghouti, we know he's uh, the Public Palestinian figure, yeah. But, you know, they, they did, not, did us no service. And now they're journalistic terrorists. Yeah. So. Okay, back so, to, to Baghouti. Yeah, yeah. So um, j- just a, a couple of other things. And, and it's, I think just to get an idea and context as to um, the, the scale of this issue. And, and Yusuf, you spoke to the fact that 800,000 males in 49 years fully – Forty uh, percent of the the, the uh, male population, population male population has been imprisoned at some time or another. Mm. Um, Def- Defense for Children International, which is an, uh, an NGO, found that Palestinian children in Israeli detention ninety seven percent had no lawyer or family member present during interrogation. Mm. The interrogations in Hebrew, so a language the kids don't even understand. No mm. lawyer, no parent in a language I don't understand. Seventy five point five percent were subject to physical abuse. 72.5% were denied adequate food and water, and 697 were strip-searched. I mean, these are 12-year-olds, 13 or 14-year-olds. Mm. It, it just beggars belief. And um, top that off, this military court system ends up with a 99.1% conviction, conviction rate. Conviction rate, which is uh, the world record. I don't know if there's any other no, no, country. No. Ch- China. 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 <laughs> ah, well done, Israel. North Korea? No. <laughs> Well, no, everybody's guilty. So that's nearly, <laughs> nearly 100% conviction rate. Yeah, none. Oh, every now and again they let Bob go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 the figures uh, actually uh, um, are alarming, and it's not because we're talking about hundreds of children or tens of women or thousands of men, but it's because the continuity over 50 years. Uh, because when you take uh, my brother uh, as a prisoner, my whole family will suffer. My mother, myself, his his kids, my kids, my dad, our our friends, and you know you you're holding the Palestinian society hostage. You're putting the whole society behind bars, and Israel knows that very well. And they do it because they can, and they would they do it to break 
our uh, our uh, expecting to break our, break our spirits, and they must know that the chains will break before our will will break. Absolutely. I'm just going to say also that part of um, the statements being in Hebrew, they asked the kids who are twelve and thirteen to sign something to say that either it was their friend or their father. Oh, yeah. So Make them sign a confession. Uh, yeah, exactly, that's how you yeah. get a 99% success rate. Yeah. Right? Uh, but then they use that confession to, to charge somebody else. I mean, it's barbaric. Yeah. barbaric. Now, sir, I want to take a break, but before that, uh, if you want to read another uh, excerpt from, um, excerpt from uh, the uh, Marwan's uh, letter. You just slipped one in. Yeah, yeah I, might, <laughs> I might just, because um, uh, following the... The, the charge from uh, the Israeli cabinet and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and his mates, uh, Fadwa Baruthi, uh, Marwan's wife, also wrote, wrote a piece. Well, she didn't get it published, but she circulated it on um, Facebook. And, and a couple of quotes from here. It, it's interesting to note that not a single country on earth has accepted Israel's characterization of Marwan as a terrorist, and many have called for his release. It's also worth mentioning that international observers have considered the trial a show trial, not a political one. The, the Inter-Parliamentary Union dispatched a legal expert, Mr. Simon Foreman, and following his report, the, the key line here is that there have been numerous breaches of international law recalled in this report and make it impossible, impossible, to, to conclude that Mr. Barghouti was given a fair trial. And, and the easiest way Israel uh, can do to discredit anything is to immediately tar anyone with the brush He's a terrorist. Anti-Semitism. Oh, anti-Semitism, but he's a yeah, terrorist. Yeah. I mean, why would you let this guy, why would you publish an article from of a, a guy who's been convicted as a terrorist and, um, you know, you are uh, aiding and abetting uh, in this process? So um, I, I just want to, I think it's one of the things we want to speak to is at, during the second intifada, intifada there was 15,000 prisoners at the time. At the moment, we're at 6,500 prisoners. There's a, there's a um, a topic, and we should probably do a show on on administrative detention, and this is where Israel can grab somebody, put them in jail, not give them access to a lawyer, not give them access to uh, their family, not even tell them what they're charged with. Well, they don't have one. Yeah. There's no charge yet. There's no charge. So they're under administrative detention, and this can roll on in, in six month increments. Um, the the military prosecutor will say to the judge. You know, it's secret. We can't tell you what, but we, we, you know, we're obviously having to keep the state security of Israel. concerns. Security concerns. We have to keep the state of Israel very. Um, and they keep renewing the six-month uh, imprisonment. Correct. And, with and no the world record: eight years. One guy spent eight years in jail, never got told what he was charged with. At the end of the eight years, they went, "Okay, you can go home now." Now, sixteen times renewals. Sixteen uh, that renewals. Means. Yeah. Are you serious? And you, you know what? Also, they're doing the same against the civil society in Jerusalem. Uh, the Orient House, Beit al-Sharq, that was founded by Faisal al-Husseini, for example, mm-hmm. it was closed in uh, November uh, 2000 till today. So we're talking about 17 years, and they keep uh, renewing the six-month closure order with no more reason why yeah. they closed the Orient House. Uh, but until today, it's been closed for no reason. And this is where an, an Israeli got, uh, he shot a Palestinian that was incapacitated and he got 18 months and that was so terrible that they've re-looking at the trial and he's now at home mm. on, I mean, this is just wrong. We should also speak, Yusuf, just very quickly before we go to our break, um, that Israel doesn't just use live Palestinian prisoners. Mm. Of course, we will talk after the break about uh, holding the bodies of dead uh, Palestinians captive for years. And I know, and when I, when I say years, I'm talking about more than 25 years, some of the bodies mm. of the martyrs were held captive. And, you know, not even giving their family the relief of, bury, of burying their, their loved ones and knowing where to go for 
uh, a prayer uh, on Eid day. Mm-hmm. And this is the other, uh, not the other, this is the real face of occupation. We will definitely continue, but we will listen to a, a thematic song by Marcel Khalifa, uh, the Lebanese singer. Uh, the song was written uh, in uh, late uh, 80s, early 90s in uh, support of the Lebanese and Palestinian prisoners in South Lebanon. And it's called Shiddul Himme, Raise your spirit. So let's have a listen. You're listening to Palestine Remembered on 855 AM and an episode purely dedicated to the Palestinian prisoners on the occasion of the Palestinian Prisoners Day on the 17th of April. Uh, Before uh, the break, uh, we spoke also uh, about uh, the imprisonment and detention, not only of prisoners, but also of the bodies of martyrs. Israel has been holding uh, hundreds of uh, dead bodies that belongs to Palestinians uh, as late as uh, the late 70s, as early, I would say, uh, since the late 70s onward, and uh, prevented their families from having a burial uh, according to their religion, Christian or Islamic. And you know the grief that you could give a father or mother for not even uh, burying your uh, son properly. Uh, and not feeling that, you know, the spirit uh, has rest in peace. And uh, there is, I would like to mention a campaign that started in 2010, and I was lucky to meet the uh, founder of that uh, campaign in Algeria in uh, the uh, conference that supported the Palestinian detainees. The campaign, uh, I will say it in Arabic, Al-Hamla Shabia Listerdad Jathameen Al-Shuhada, uh, which is the national campaign to retrieve the bodies of the martyrs. Um, you needed something like a civil society campaign to, lo- to, to, to basically do something and put, put pressure on Israel and talk to international media with also the Palestinian Authority. But um, um, and, 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 and Israel is using that uh, again uh, as another... Well, yeah, they use it as a, 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 a tool of leverage. Over the family, you know, it's a, a function of control. Keep your heads clean, you know. We'll give you, uh, we'll give you your son's body back. And interestingly, Yusuf, as you know, in that same report, th- th- there's bodies that they've lost. Hmm. You know, um, they're telling parents, you know, your son died. He died 12 years ago, and in fact, we don't know where his body is. Yeah, it's not just we're denying you the body now. We've actually our record keeping has lost him. Nope. The Palestinians will never be broken. Yeah. The, our determination will be even stronger. The more they go in their ugliness, in their brutality, the stronger we become and the more determined we are towards our uh, freedom one day uh, and our, our independence. I also want to um, to uh, ask you, Nasser, about uh, the demands of the prisoners, uh, yeah. the reason why they held uh, or they are in the middle of their hunger strike. Now we're talking about fifth day uh, today um uh, what 
are their demands. We just need to tell everybody that these are the true demands. They are not, because uh, people may be expecting some outrageous demands. Yeah, yeah. These are, are simple. pretty simple. Well, yeah. yeah, we're not asking for cocoa should, pops. It, just, these, are, these are simple demands. And yeah. it, should, it should go without uh, mentioning, but however, let's, let's see what their yeah. demands are. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a link onto in the, um, in the podcast so our listeners can and download them. But I'll just go very, very high level here. You know what? Installation of a public phone in, the se- in each section of a prison. Uh, access to family visits. Regular visits every two weeks without cancellation or interference. And we talked about that as a, an element of control, that uh, um, families are denied access at the very last minute after undergoing four or five hours worth of travel and searches, etc. The children and grandchildren under the age of 16 are allowed visitation at each visit. Medical care. Ending the policy of medical neglect. As we know, many Palestinians are released from Israeli detention with only weeks to go because they've had cancer and had poor treatment, etc. That surgical procedures are received quickly and without delay. No transfer of the cost of treatment to prisoners and their families. Mm. So when a prisoner uh, is sick and we uh, the, the good Israeli prison heals them, that bill is then sent to their family. Can I also on this point, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, when, but, you when, when, but I am, <laughs> when the, uh, the terrorist, the settler, uh, Jewish terrorist, uh, set fire the, uh, the family in, uh, in one of the villages and Israel took credit that they uh, took the, uh, the son who was suffering from severe burns mm-hmm. and treated uh, the son in uh, Israel's hospital. And of course, there was so much media but nevertheless, they sent the uh, the invoice to the Palestinian Authority. Yeah. So, uh, on this particular point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, uh, you recall, um, uh, Yusuf, that his father, mother, and younger brother were killed in that episode. Yeah. And uh, sadly, he's, in fact, his grandfather just recently passed. But that bill was sent to the PA, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, humane treatment of prisoners during transportation and movement. So, when prisoners are moved from prison, uh, from prison to another... Sometimes this can take 15 or 16 hours. They're locked in the back of, you know, quintessentially a divvy van in, you know, upwards of 40 to 50 degree heat with no air conditioning, no water, no bathroom breaks. Or, or they're left out in the sun. Or they're left in the sun. Installation of cooling systems in, the, uh, in, in a couple of prisons, especially Migado and Gil- Gilboa. Reform kitchens for all prisoners and put them under the supervision of Palestinian prisoners. Introduction of books. <laughs> Introduction of books. Isn't that sickening? Ending the policy of solitary confinement, ending the policy of administrative detention. And remember, this is where renewable six months. Yeah, that people just get uh, put into jail for six months indefinitely, indefinitely, with no trial, no lawyer, no uh, notice as to what uh, they've been charged with. Introduce access to education, and allow prisons to provide for, for high school examinations. I mean, you know, the fact that we need to. Uh, Ask, to ask, for ki- basic. Ask, for, ask for these basic things, but also for our kids to be able to do their you know, high school exams while they're in prison. Um, I also want to uh, give credit to the pioneers of uh, human rights advocates in Israel, uh, uh, particularly Venisa Langer. Uh, she was the only one in the whole of Israel advocating for human treatment of the Palestinian prisoners in the 70s. She wrote a book that's really an inside story of the first 10 years of occupation of West Bank. And the book is called In My Own Eyes by Vanessa Langer. And um, 
I remember that the book made it to Arabic media. This is my earliest memories of uh, basically resistance because the Syrians have done a great job turning it into um, 30 episodes. Yeah, no, she's a wonderful woman. We'll put the link um, down as well. Yeah. So, um, and just while we talk about the you know the ninety nine percent conviction rate of Palestinians, uh, fourteen years ago, Rachel Corey, an American <clears throat> activist, was run over in a high vis vest in a caterpillar. She was protecting the home of a Palestinian in Gaza, and she was run over uh, by a caterpillar bulldozer. Bulldozer. Fourteen years later, the trial's still going. They're still unsure whether it's, whether mm. who the driver mm. was and whether or not he mm. saw her in a high vis vest. Um, just this week, um, Bassem Abu Rahma, who in April of '09, eight years ago, he was shot in the chest with a high-speed tear gas canister. It killed him. The the um, Israeli courts have said there's going to be no further movement in the prosecution. Sadly, they say that there was uh, an, an incomplete investigation at the time with no clear evidence. The file that they had was stolen. And based on the fact that they that no in, clear investigation was done and that the file has been stolen, there's going to be no prosecution, even though there's video of the guy doing it. Just mm. on that too, they actually admitted fault, but they actually won't go any further than it. They said, yes, we it was our fault, but that's it because everything has been it. stolen. I also want to Just mention... Just like they're still uh, in Palestinian land. I want to mention Iman Alhams, the seven-year-old uh, Palestinian uh, schoolgirl on her way to school who was shot uh, dead by Israeli soldiers in Gaza before they pulled out in 2005. And not only she was shot, uh, killed, the soldier approached her dead body mm-hmm. and emptied his emptied his magazine, more than 35 bullets. To confirm the kill. To confirm the kill into yeah. the dead body of a seven-year-old Palestinian schoolgirl. And what and, happened? And what happened? Well, still open-ended. And I guess I guess the guy, uh, of course, is released. But, but no, they didn't see any strong evidence that he should be convicted. And uh, in solidarity and support of the prisoners, Fatah uh, Melbourne uh, is organizing an event, an awareness event, um, on the 30th of April. That's the coming Sunday uh, at 3 o'clock at the Trades Hall for the prisoners where we play videos and uh, recite poetry so if you want to join us you can text us on 0437 to reserve your seat and we'll put the details on the uh, podcast as well. on the podcast and also uh, uh, as a symbolic uh, move uh, um, some Australians have decided to, to have a symbolic hunger strike one day per week until their demands are met personally I will be fasting every Tuesday until they end their uh, their uh, hunger strike me too and um, I guess with this, we come to the end of uh, this week's episode that was dedicated to our Palestinian prisoners behind Israeli bars. And we will definitely revisit this important topic because the hunger strike is still on. And until they meet their demands, hopefully we will be coming back with more figures and statistics and interviews. So until then, have a great time and salam. <laughs> You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.